Hey everybody, this is a Soul Stay at Home series on April 14th with Adrian Wilson, Mr. Interior Photography himself. How are you, Adrian? Vandalism. Vandalism. We'll talk about that for sure. How are you? <laughs> I'm good. Yeah, I, I feel like I, um, you know, you get all these uh, criminals. I'm not saying Nazis, but criminals who kind of run off to South America or Central America and hide with the Sandinista rebels. I'm not exactly slumming it in the jungle, but I feel I've escaped the, uh, the fucking pandemic Nazi invasion of that fucking horrible virus. Um, so, yeah, I'm down here, down in Mexico. Now, you're in Mexico City. Yeah. Now, what is, uh, what's it like down there? What is, uh, how is the, the government handling it? How is the, the public response? How are you doing? Catch us up. So number one, you've got, uh, we've got like a Trump kind of character president. It's probably worse than Trump, you know, in, in many ways. Every administration here is linked to the narcos, all of them. They have to do deals to get in and, you know, rise from being a small politician to the mayor to be the president, whatever. So they're all in the pockets of the narcos. Uh, and there's just endemic corruption. Um, and basically, the way he's handling the crisis is like, you know, in Brazil, whatever, where they're just like, this is no big deal. This is the opposition. He claimed that, you know, any protests about violence against women is because of the last administration or whatever. He just dismisses everything. So we've got, we're, we're kind of, I think we're at stage two. We're, we're obviously, it's going to get really bad here because, I, I mean, it's not, I think it's in India, they've done some, they've done the lockdown and then when it's hit a slum, they've isolated those people in the slums. Now we've got obviously 20 million people in Mexico City and there's people that, that their choice is starve to death or catch coronavirus. You know, who's selling like tortillas on the street or whatever, and they're all dealing in cash. They have no choice. You know, quarantine is a is a luxury for 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 many. So the big fear is once it gets into the the slums, really. Um, now the only thing is that, and it sounds a horrible thing to say, but you know, I included. Use bleach, you know, whatever. I'm not like a super clean, you know, you know, germaphobe. But normal Western people, middle class people, working class people, whatever, you know, we clean the house. We we protect ourselves from germs. You know, you have all these vacuum cleaners and all that kind of stuff. Whereas you're in a slum, you're kind of. When I first came here, I got ill a lot, and now I don't at all. You know, so I feel like I built up some kind of immunity, my immune system is used to some of the freaking horrible rampant crap here because it's just got used to it. So hopefully, hopefully, the people in the slum have some more kind of stronger resistance to a virus than people like us who've kind of like sheltered ourselves from any invading bacteria. Yeah. You know, like, like if, you see a, if you see a rat in New York, you know, that's walking down the street and eats, you know, food that we would never touch and you know scrambles around with urine and whatever that's that's because it's done that its whole life if you got a pet rat and had it in a cage and then released it onto Ludlow Street in Lower East Side it probably died of food poisoning in about 20 minutes <laughs> so I'm not comparing people to rats but I'm just saying if you've got 
a whole lifetime and genetics where you've been, you know, exposed to a lot of horrible things. It's always confused me how, when the Spanish mainly came to Mexico, there's a lot of indigenous people here. It's a really amazing mix uh, of indigenous and Spanish culture, colonial culture. Now, you wonder, because you go, okay, well, Native Americans, they, 95% of them got wiped out by diseases. And it's the same diseases that were brought to Mexico and it didn't wipe them all out. So they call it, uh, was it called Inca genetics or whatever. There's some kind of thing where they feel that Mexicans have some stronger genetic protection against invaded viruses. So that's the situation in Mexico. The politicians are terrible. Uh, he, AMLO, he's called. He went, he ordered a lockdown, said everyone should stay in, etc. And then the day later, which most people ignore because it's, it's Mexico. Um, so half of the restaurants were still open and bars, etc. And the day after that, he went to visit the town where El Chapo's from and met his 95-year-old mother and shook her hand. So there's a prime example of... Now, everyone goes, that's freaking horrific. It's absolutely terrible. But the fact is, the biggest fear of all the Mexicans I know here is violence and unrest. Of the fact that narcos, every bad actor, whether it's politics or... or criminals or whatever, drug dealers, whatever. Take advantage, oh, we got a band playing in the background. Uh, take advantage of a situation. <laughs> there you go, it could get more Mexican. That's all right. It's <laughs> kind of cool, right? So, um, so basically I think Amlo went there to say, hey, guys, just don't start, you know, trying to take advantage of this vacuum in any kind of, you know, policing or whatever to, to further you know, your gangster facility, you know, stuff. Well, for instance, I have a nice apartment here, you know, it's in Mexico City, it's, you know, it's not super flash. There was all this banging at four o'clock on uh, Friday night, somebody trying to get in some apartment, whatever, we have no security on the door. We called 911 five times, nobody answered. Oof. I spoke to Mexicans, I'm like, what the fuck? And they said, no, nah, no. Nah. Best thing is get your local police on the, your WhatsApp because they don't answer 911. What the fuck? Wow. So this is why people are more scared really of somebody like me. I'm a target. I'm somebody from New York. Like I don't tell people I'm, I'm from New York here. I say I'm English. I'm from England. I don't tell them I came from New York a month ago. I've been self-quarantining. I don't have coronavirus. But the last thing I want is to get dragged out on the street and accused of bringing coronavirus into the neighborhood. Sure. You know, there's nurses having bleach thrown on them and beaten up and thrown out of their apartments. So, so really, violence is the thing that worries me. I'm not paranoid or whatever about it, but I have to be careful. I am now a target minority who, quite understandably, people could take out their fears on. Oh. So yeah, welcome to Mexico. Yeah, yeah. It's still better than being stranded in New Jersey. <laughs> little, little it's sunny. Little different than Hoboken, huh? <laughs> well, the thing is, so I have I have two kids, grown up kids. One lives in um, Astoria, one lives in Manhattan, and the fact is, 
I couldn't even go and see my kids. You know, living in Jersey, I might as well be 2,000 miles away in the sun. I have some work here. My fiance lives here. So I don't want to sound it like I, I abandoned uh, New York, but just logically, what would I do sitting in, you know, my little apartment in Montclair on my own, as worried about my kids and my fiance as, as, as if it was here where she has asthma, I can, you know, take care of her and, you know, whatever, and get in trouble and whatever. Now, let's... So I don't know if that answered all your questions, but that's, <laughs> that's kind of the thing is, it's sunny, but there's impending doom. And, and there's you... unpreparedness. And you can't call 911. Yeah, and there's no, you know, there's like no hospital services. There's no, it, you know, it's, it's, I would say, you know, it's like going to Alabama and all that, where there's just poor people and no facilities and that. It's kind of like that, only probably worse. Um, I will not quote you on that last part, but uh, yeah, I hear, I hear where you're coming from. Let's talk about um, eye protection. I love it. Sorry? Oh, yeah, yeah. So uh, <coughs> I, I feel when I do street art, there are several stages to street art that I believe. Firstly, there's just the idea. The idea comes to your head, right? And lots of people have ideas. And the great thing with street artists is they get a canvas or they go out with a spray can or a roller or a wheat paste and they make that idea. First they make it and then they get it out on the streets. So you have an idea, but you then manifest it. And you put it on the street, and you probably take a picture of it, post it, you hope others take a picture of it, post it, and you kind of hope it goes on Instagram so more people get to see your idea, etc. Ideally, it goes super viral, and it, you know, it's, it's, it, lots of people see your idea. So those are the four stages, is the idea, the manifestation, the creation of it, there's the putting it on the street, and then there's the photography, and the, which then leads to the publicity about it, so more people can enjoy your art. Now, only one of those things has been taken away, and that's the manifestation of it. So somebody sent me a, a picture of a boarded-up building in Soho. It was uh, Louis Vuitton, because uh, yeah. obviously scared of you know rioters or whatever. Mm -hmm. So I went on Photoshop and just spray-painted over it, with, with Photoshop, we want food, not your bags. And that, it, and posted it on my Instagram and it, you know, went all over the place. Now that, that conveyed the same message. Mm -hmm. Now you could get somebody and go, oh, you know, you didn't do it for real. You're not like a genuine person. It's fake, whatever. The thing I would say to them is you're going to do it. It's better than not doing it. And, and actually, <laughs> all these people that say, oh, you know, I'll pay your trains or whatever. Great, great for you and everything. But it's like, if I go out there and do it, firstly, I'm risking my life to catch coronavirus, which you did that climbing over trains. Great. Number two, I'm risking the policeman's life by dealing with me instead of dealing with somebody who might have coronavirus and, and taking me away and putting me in a, in a cell and all that. It's just a complete, at this time, it's just a complete waste of resources of putting people in danger, et cetera, et cetera. So at this time, I think we've all got a free pass to find ways around what we would have done for real. And hey, you can go back and do it for real once the thing comes down or whatever. 
So the, so my ideas still flow and I still do them, but it may or may not actually be a real thing. And the fact is everyone uses an Instagram filter. Everyone picks a certain angle where you can't see the tree in front of it or whatever. There's always some tiny amount of manipulation anyway of what the real thing is. I have no problem with you being Photoshop creative while you can't get out there and do it yourself. I've seen you do right. it yourself. I'm not worried about that. So, so I just really was, you know, playing around with different ideas and the I mask New York was just, you know, one of those where it was, obviously it's the, the biggest icon. I, I, I love New York. We've all used it in some kind of way. Um, <coughs> I'm obviously, I don't like stealing ideas, but there's some things where you just, and I'm not being a hypocrite here, I don't think, but there's some things that are just, hey, other people have used spray paint. Because I'm using spray paint isn't, you know, isn't wrong. So I did, I did contact Milton Glazer's studio and say, hey, I did this, is, you know, are you cool with that, whatever. There's no reply, but, you know, whatever. So, and I did change quite a lot of it, which is a quarter, you know, which is the image. And really, it was something that if people found offensive, they would let me know and I would pull it. But it kind of resonated. It was a way of saying, like, it wasn't just about the medical thing. It was a way of portraying visually what we're all trying to do. So no matter you're giving somebody CPR or putting them on a ventilator to help prevent the pandemic or save people's lives, literally just putting a mask on instead of going out and you know, gloves and stuff like that is helping the community. It's a community thing. So I felt that that mask was like, it's kind of the icon of the, um, it's the icon of, of the pandemic really is the mask. I agree. So, so yeah, using a spray can icon or whatever. So, so yeah, that was just my, my way of, of I, I don't know. I just post things that people, I, I can admit it now, I'm an American. Uh, I couldn't admit it before because we'll get arrested. But obviously, you know, everyone in the community knows I did the David Bowery thing. And that gave people a way to commemorate the death of David Bowery, Bowie. I did the, uh, the Aretha Franklin subway thing. You know, all of these things are a way for somebody to go, oh, yeah, this is a way I can express myself. Lots of people, there's death around me. I mean, Nick 707, it was so... I was just depressed yesterday, but we're still all doing memes, right? We're trying to, this is gallows humor that we're all trying to find a way of just going, oh, here's a visual way of expressing how ridiculous Trump is or how funny this is or how, you know, somebody's being an asshole by doing this or whatever. And we do it visually. So ultimately, every street art is a visual artist. And unfortunately, we're not street artists at the moment because we can't go on the street. So we just take out that thing and go, look, we're social media artists. That's what we're doing. I was joking with uh, Jerry Saltz because I do you know, lots of different things for him. And I said, Jerry, basically, I'm your content bitch. Hmm. <laughs> and we're content bitches. We all do this. We see a funny... I, somebody sent me a meme today and it was the classic shot in New York of all the workers sat on the girder on the beam having their lunch. And there's a policeman next to him giving him a ticket for social distancing. Yep. Like, it's just funny. I love the idea. I'm not jealous that I didn't come up with it. It's just funny and you forward it on and you don't care who did it. 
But you give a bit of relief or inspiration in somebody's life uh, who hasn't got that visual talent or that play on visual stuff, and you give them something to enjoy. So I believe it's as important now as it always was that we street artists give that content to other people that they can either ignore it or forward it, makes them smile, makes them, you know, feel poignant, whatever. It's, it's always there and it's more important now. What are you doing to not drive your fiance crazy? Well, I do anyway. No, that, that, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> How are we trying to mitigate this? Can't go out. Um, well, well, she, well, she, I have two nicknames with my friends. Uh, one is annoying genius. So they kind of go together, right? So you, <laughs> you know that like, you know, just, you know, it's like somebody who's a comedian. They're going to say the odd joke that's inappropriate now and again, but generally 80% of the time they're funny and 20% of the time they're inappropriate. <laughs> that just goes with the territory of creative people, right? Whatever you are, you, you know. So, um, but she calls me a wizard because she said like, you know, you make things happen. You just do it. You have an idea and you make it happen. And a lot of people don't. And so she basically understands who I am. And I think I, we all get as artists, um, say if you're a nurse, you're a doctor, you'll get a lot of credit because of the other things you're doing in your life. You could be a raving racist or, you know, really annoying or have terrible bad breath. But the guy's freaking treating you. You don't care. He's saving your life. Like, so, obviously, nobody goes out of their way to be annoying. Um, she knows that, like, we're not twats. <laughs> but, you know, this, this is my thing. I don't know if you can read that. Look. Yeah. Structural vandalism, that's what it is, which could mean a joke or it could mean like poking fun at a president or it could mean, you know, anything. It's not, it's not confined to any particular thing. It's an attitude. And our attitude, well, my attitude is the way my art is, it's trying to encourage people to think or try and, you know, get people to smile or whatever, provoke something. And not usually. The, so Before you so left, my, I'm sorry, go ahead. So I think, you know, because my goal is something that's, that's okay. Like yesterday, I went out and painted a billboard for Nick. And, you know, the look on my fiance's face, because if I get arrested in Mexico City, I'm fucked completely. I mean, I took 500 pesos with me cause, and hid my phone because basically they just want cash. and I didn't want to lo lose my phone. But I'm like, but well, I've got to do it. And, and she, she understands it, you know. Anyone we pair up with kind of understands us, right? Mm -hmm. we, di we, didn't, we didn't become a street artist or an annoying genius after they dated us. It was kind of, it, it was on our resume. So it's her fault. Sorry? It's her fault. If you're <laughs> <laughs> No, she. No, to be honest with you, the thing she did, she did was pissed off about was I used to play poker, just friendly game every Tuesday, and then, and then it's become this online thing that we get on Zoom and play online, and it's like fifty cents of you know whatever. But we're, I was playing till five in the morning, you know, and we're all chatting, and she's trying to sleep. I get it. That that's that's the kind of annoying thing. So I've quit. 
that's not because she's a nagging fiance. That's because I shouldn't be fucking playing poker until five in the morning. I agree. <laughs> now, all right. So before we start wrapping things up, I want to hear uh, your best Nick 707 story. Well, I was chatting with a few different people, and I and I think the first time I met Nick was at uh, when when we did the show at Basquiat's uh, Basquiat's former studio at Fifty Seven Great Jones Street, and he came in, and he, everyone knows Nick. He talks a lot, like he's he's unbounding energy, and it can be a bit annoying when you're all trying to like you know whatever, but. He, he had this heart of gold. And I was there with all these writers, Al Diaz, you know, all these people from the 70s, the original writers. And you know what? He treated me exactly the same as everybody else there. And I'm not trying to be, you know, I write Hot 110 because I know I'm the ultimate toy. I might as well just fucking own it. You know, people think I was around in the 70s because I write Hot 110. And, uh, and he knows I'm a nobody, whatever. But... He treated me like everybody else. Now, I could tell you all different stories of this, that, and the other, but anyone the first time they meet you treats you the same as everyone else in the room. That's, that's a rare thing. And really, that's how it started, and that's how it's always been. So he was super nice, generous, smiling. He never heard, heard a bad word about him. Apparently, he called me a twat, but I never heard it. <laughs> um, <laughs> He just told my fiance, how do you live with that twat? Um, but no, I'm joking. But yeah, he was, um, he was, you know, and just his enthusiasm for the, for the art form and the history and everything. He wasn't a history buff like some of them are. He wasn't, you know, hey, I need to get up. I need to be famous. He was just Fred. And, and I only just really found out his whole history of his dad being heavyweight boxer. and. Yeah. Yeah. fighting Muhammad Ali and all that kind of stuff. And you think, okay, I, I'm not saying he was necessarily a bad person, but obviously growing up with a heavyweight boxer as a father in those days, that's, and then moving to the Bronx. But then, you know, 60 years later, being the most happy-go-lucky, smiley person, oh, look, I guess somebody called 3911. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it, you know, says something about the personality that it probably wasn't anything. His personality is his personality. It's not to do with his upbringing, you know, or his surroundings. Because obviously, anyone who grows up like that had a tough upbringing, I think. So, yeah, it was just sad because, uh, yeah, he was just a nice guy. I agree. One of the nicest guys around, always friendly, always smiling, always uh, grabbing me by the neck and taking me and laughing and stuff like that. Just a... Yeah, good... you know City Kitty, right? Of course. He's like another. He's like the nicest guy in Wheat Paste, uh, which, you know, sounds like a fetish. <laughs> Maybe that should be his, like, Instagram way of making money, like an Instagram live porn channel. Hey, listen, um, those cats might look good in BDSM gear. You never know. Sorry? Those cats that he draws, they might look cute with BDSM gear. Right, exactly. <laughs> but yeah, he's somebody that, and I'm not judging, you know, and it's not a scale of whatever, but there's some people in, in the street art world that you look at their art and you go, fuck, that's really fucking amazing. And, but then you meet them and maybe their personality doesn't match their art and it kind of takes away a little bit. And there's some people who, even if their art is like 
you know, nothing special about it. They're so nice. You're like, oh, well, I really want to help them. And, you know, uh, you know that's kind of life, I suppose, isn't it? But Yeah. But so, yeah, right. Nick, was, Nick was one of those. Sure was. He, he, he'll be missed, and I'm, I'm actually looking forward to seeing what the community does for him in terms of murals or pieces or something like that when they can get back out there. And it is, uh, it is frustrating, I think. It's frustrating that we can't. I mean, I did my bit, whatever. Not it was a nothing thing, but it's frustrating that we we're all kind of trapped um, in this thing. As I say, this this period is just a digital only period, isn't it? People post their videos and pictures on social media, and that's it. Uh, and as you say, I hope that I don't know, maybe because those people, the original writers, for sure are in that age group. And also, you know, a lot do have health issues because of where they grew up or how they've lived their lives, whatever. And this isn't, you know, a judgment or whatever. It's just, you know, from my experience. Right. Um, those people are in the high-risk group, generally, mm -hmm. of, of, you know, succumbing to this. So I could see, and there should be, some kind of memorial thing and I, and I think there will be memorials to all sorts of different people. You know, you, you see memorials in the sort of Vietnam War and all this kind of stuff. Maybe it will become a conversation at some point. You know, there's, there's the, you know, the down at 9-11, ground zero. You know, there's more people in New York just died from, than in 9-11. So I feel that there will be, or there's, and there definitely should be, a memorial to those that died from this pandemic. I think that modern life to see those to see those pits and those uh, you know the the mass graves being buried and feeling like they don't even have a gravestone and everything there's got to be maybe that's something that we need to like think of as artists how we we come up with a memorial for people because you know whether sculptors or stonemasons or whatever and engravers you know, they must have been busy after all the wars, you know, creating all these memorials. Um, maybe that's something that we need to think of as a community of, of how we, we have like some kind of permanent memorial of where that should be to you these know, people. It's funny because street art is not permanent. So I would love to see whatever the number, the term, the whatever it is, you know, make, it, make its way into art overall without listing the name of the disease would be nice. Well, I think that permanence thing, I got, uh, there was a picture of all the old school writers outside uh, Great John Street, and they're all holding these things, and because it was for Al, there's a few, and there was like, Samo this, whatever, and actually Nick was holding this card that said, Samo, Samo's not dead. And so I photoshopped it, asked Al if he approved, and he was like, no, it's a great idea. And I, and I changed it, so, I, so I, it said, Nick isn't, Nick is not dead. And Keith Herring, when he was dying, there you go. So the black and white one where he's still standing out yeah. uh, that's next to it. Keith Herring, because he obviously, he had about a year to die and he stopped being hedonistic and everything. And, and he did a famous piece of artwork where he's, it, he's like this uh, skeleton and he's ejaculating on this plant. And it was a diptych and on the next one, 
the plant has all grown up and flowering and you know he's not there and the point was that every artist their life lives on through their art they have an immortality so yeah i don't care people say to me oh you you write on trash it's gone the next day and i'm like but if it's on trash for an hour or if it's on the bowery wall for a month or if it's on the top of a bridge for 10 years it doesn't fucking matter you got that idea and you manifested it it existed and it's already better than somebody who had the idea and either didn't want to too scared or whatever to do the idea so to me the time scale of how long the art exists to me is completely irrelevant you did it and it was there and you there's a record of it. The, you did the, uh, the, the before you left, uh, remember when bed bugs were the worst things we had to worry about? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love the giggle because that's just funny stuff. It's, it's pithy, it's tongue in cheek, but it's, it's also 100% true. Yeah. My other one that didn't take off, that I was quite uh, pleased with was, and this was after the lockdown, it said, one flew over the cuckoo's nest, FLU. Nice. Um, so, yeah, that was, uh, I got, actually, well, I didn't get in trouble, but I thought it was a bit iffy because somebody posted um, an Adam Fu piece, and I think it said, uh, uh, I can't remember what it was, again or something, or enough, that was it. It was an Adam Fu piece that said enough, and they used it as a, yeah, you know, and I was like, I put it on and said, yeah, a damn flu. <laughs> <laughs> And I, and I just thought, yeah, thinking maybe it's inappropriate calling Adam Adam Fu a damn flu. But, uh, <laughs> you know, being a, being a dad, you know, a dad jokes, you know, a, a lot of my stuff, if I said it to my kids, it'd be a, a dad joke. If I write it on a mattress, it's suddenly a viral piece of art. So, you know, go figure. You, you it's never all about tell. context. That's right. You never can tell. <laughs> but have fun. You know, what? one thing, if I don't, yeah, you cough then. Uh, the one thing is I guarantee I'm going to die laughing I'm going down laughing like fuck that like if some virus takes me out like you know I'm I'm my last I'll be pulling out the ventilator trying to play a Yazoo song on it or something (laughs) and and that's definitely why we wanted to chat with you Adrian I, I appreciate your your time today it looks like you're getting some sun out there. You're not doing too bad, but uh, it sucks. I've got my, look, that's my fiance, fiance. Nice, very nice to meet you. <laughs> I find she doesn't talk back much. It's good. Oh, the, you know, good and bad. <laughs> but before I let you go, uh, please let everyone know where they can find you on social media and where they can track your exploits. Plandalism. P-L-A-N-N-E-D-A-L-I-S-M. Basically, because we all plan our vandalism, right? It's all planned. May not get permission, but we plan everything. People don't realize how much effort goes into doing any kind of street art, whether it's buying a paint, well, shouldn't say racking a paint, but from getting the paint, the idea, planning it, what should be, how big it is, standing on a bicycle, ladder, whatever. Everyone thinks you just uh, appear there, do this thing on the wall and walk away. It's... It's, it's, it's really like the last 20% of an idea. So plandalism is really to, to recognize there's a lot more goes into it than just walking around randomly with a spray can. Plan- Keep up the work 
And we're all going to be back. We're all going to do what we're good at, which is expressing ourselves visually, making people smile, beautifying a city, which is what it'll need. Uh, and yeah, let's have a think about that memorial. I'm down. We'll cover it for sure. But just make sure my name's not fucking on it. Right. Well, well, stay alive. <laughs> stay, stay on that terrace. All right, brother. All right. Great to see you. Thank you for your time today. And stay uh, safe. Hopefully, hopefully, we'll see you back in New York soon. Yeah, definitely. All, All right. right. Take care, guys.